the social threat out of Medicine Hat, Alberta, is here with the antidote. Guys, thanks for meeting up with us. Yeah, no problem. No no worries. Would each of you introduce yourselves and fill us in about your role in the band and who we're missing tonight? Yeah, my name is Wade, and I sing lead vocals and play guitar. And the guy missing today is named Caleb, and he plays the bass guitar. And I'm Kyle. I play the drums and uh, sing background vocals. Kyle does all our design stuff. So. Oh, do you? I'm a graphic designer by day and moonlight as a punk rocker. <laughs> well, that's cool. Yeah. We didn't pick our band members based on their musical skills. <laughs> I'm a graphic designer. Wade's a mechanic. You need all of this. <laughs> yeah. No, like we seriously wouldn't be able to play near as many shows on the road if Wade wasn't a mechanic. Or we'd be really broke. Now, I have to guess by your last name, you guys are related, aren't you? A little bit. <laughs> yeah, Kyle's my older, smaller brother. That's nice of you to say. <laughs> Just before we started recording, and you were talking about your dad having some real musical influence on you. Tell us about that. Yeah, well, I don't know. It was just the, sort of the environment that we grew up in. Um, Dad was always playing guitar around the house, singing songs. How many songs do you think he knows just like by heart? Yeah, he knows so many. He'll always be playing a song you've never heard. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> he doesn't write his stuff, but he knows everyone else's songs, all these old songs. Even now, whenever he comes over or whatever, grabs a guitar, is playing a song, um, and it's just, that's kind of the environment that we grew up in. And we just had lots of opportunities to play music growing up, like through church and, um, and then just wanting to start our own musical endeavors. So we started a punk rock band when we were in high school. Well, I was in high school. How old were you? Yeah, I Grade think eight. I was 13 or 14 when we made the, formed the first band we were in. So yeah, kind of just grew from there. But it was always punk even back then. Oh yeah. Yeah, like, I listened to MXPX in, like, grade five on. I don't really like their new stuff, but when they put out, like, a video or anything, I get so stoked. There's just something about their, their energy that gets me excited, so. Yeah. It's like the, it's the line in the sand where we draw. It's like, this was, this was punk right here. MXPX, uh, life in general. Mm-hmm. That was, like, the definition. That's what got us started, and that's what, like... We always compare everything to. Okay, well, that was back then, but who influences you now? Um, or is it still MXPX? No, well, maybe they're <laughs> older stuff, but for me, I think um, the Flatliners is a, a pretty big Canadian punk rock right now. I listen to them, and also Living With Lions is also Canadian pop punk. So those are the two that I have been influencing my, my writing, I think, the most lately. We try not to let American bands influence our music. <laughs> That's not true. But it's, it's, Why do you think the new song's called Strong and Free? Yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's nice to support Canadian music, I think. I was listening to, I think it was like the most played songs on my iTunes and almost all of it was Canadian music. And it's totally not on purpose. It's accident. It's just what I like. But I listen to, man, I don't know. I listen to everything. Except for country. Except for country. Except for country. I just can't do it. Because you're going to burn in the pit if you listen to country. <laughs> <laughs> what 
Wasn't no, that I, that was nasty? Yeah, that's rough, man. <laughs> Ooh, I'm a I'm a harsh and hurtful person. Okay, who is number one in your list? You said about who the top bands are. Who's number one? Who is number one on my list? I don't know. Like for man, for anything, for anything, the Beatles. <laughs> I don't know if they like. What I I know, right? No, it's fifty years. It was just the anniversary. Come on, <laughs> anniversary of Beatlemania was just this last weekend, wasn't it? Or two weekends ago? Something like that. No, I like. I mean, I love the Flatliners too. Like, I don't know. There's something about their music. There's like there's punk music, and then there's just something about what they do that's different. That's just really attractive. And I don't know if that's like the Canadian ness of it or that just just their style but i dig it um lots of like lately what i've been listening to the most is that tony sly tribute cd no idea what that is tony sly tony sly was the singer from no use for a name and he he died just over a year ago like i mean he was really like respected in the punk community and like really good friends with like the guys in lag wagon and no effects and and so he had all those connections to Fat Records and Epitaph Records. And so when he passed, those guys got together and they're like, let's release a tribute CD. And, and some of those guys got their bands on board and they went and hunted down a couple other bands. And like the tribute CD is like 30 songs long. And like a lot of it's like punk stuff, but there's like a lot of different other versions too. And it's all covers of Tony Sly songs, so a whole bunch of No Use for a Name songs and then some like solo stuff and just... Like, I like his songwriting. It's not even necessarily the genre. It's just the way he puts the, like, words and the lyrics and the melodies together. Yeah. And, like, it's punk rock. It's pretty straightforward, but they're so good and they're so tight and they're so, like, musically talented. Like, a lot of people think punk's just, like, three chords. We're going, like, 220 beats per minute and just, like, as brash as can be and, like, those guys know music inside and out. And like, that's something that we want to do is write quality music, but we want to write punk music because that's what we love. We'll talk about doing punk music in Medicine Hat. Now, maybe I'm being narrow-minded, but I never would have thought about Medicine Hat having a big punk scene. Hmm, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> Are, does that mean I'm talking to the punk artist in Medicine Hat? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Take that, one shot left. Yeah, there is... <laughs> I don't know how many years ago now, maybe even 10, there was a band called One Shot Left from here and they made, they made a run at it. I'm not exactly sure all the details, but they, you know, were signed and toured around almost full time, I think. So they're kind of, yeah. when people think of Medicine Hat punk rock, it's always One Shot Left. There was a decent scene here, but like we, we didn't live here when it happened and we missed it all. We're, we're 10 years too young. <laughs> but you're carrying on the tradition yeah, yeah bring it back so when we want a punk rock show to happen here we kind of have to make it happen ourselves so we'll find ourselves collecting all the bands from other towns and getting a venue and making sure we have a good sound system and doing all the promotion ourselves if we want to see a, a punk rock show so back to diy yeah that's it that's what makes it happen well, let's talk about lyrics. I mean, historically, punk lyrics have always had a pointed message or a political agenda. But what would you consider the message of the social threat to be? Uh, primarily just like social justice issues is 
kind of the angle that we take for a lot of stuff. But in general, it's just the idea of being dissatisfied with the status quo. Like, um, it's not hard to look at anything and just see, I don't know, corruption and, I don't know, the environment's falling apart and slave trade and sex trafficking. And, and I, I don't know, it's, it sucks. <laughs> it sucks out there. It seems like, well, you can easily get bogged down with all that stuff. But we mostly just, like, we don't want to be satisfied with the status quo. And that's kind of, you know, the definition of punk rock. And, and the thing that we see that really bothers me, and I see it in myself, too, is just, like, the attitude of, of complacency and, and apathy. And there's so many times where, like, people say, like, this is the generation to change things. Like, you look at the boomers and what they handed down to their children, and they look what that generation handed down to us or uh, I don't know how the generations go. Mm -hmm. Like there's just like a lot of crap and people are like, yeah, this is the solution. Like this, this generation could be the solution. And it's true. We could be the solution, but we have to get off our butts and actually do it. There's a lot of people that like care or say they care, but the idea of slacktivism is (laughs) really good at complaining about stuff on Facebook. Yeah. (laughs) So then you're saying that the social threat is actually aiming to be a savior to society and not a threat. We are threatening the society as it is right now. (laughs) But it's true because people often, you know, an apathetic stance and just saying, well, it's not happening to me. So it is okay. I don't even know. Like, I mean, that's true. That's definitely the attitude that happens, but I don't even know if most of the time we're aware of that. Lots of times we see this stuff and we're like, you're right. That is terrible. And that's it. Yeah, or or we're not even aware of what's going on because, you know, that'll make us feel bad or or whatever. Like, I know I'm guilty of that. I think sometimes I don't want to watch the news because I don't want to know the stuff that's happening. But that awareness should be a, a real thing, I think. And I am so in your shoes because I'm the same way. And I don't watch the news because I often find it really uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But now, the social threat, you guys put your money where your mouth is. I mean, you don't just talk about helping society. You've gone out to help fund uh, a few projects internationally. Yeah, I mean, like we all have, like, compassion or world vision kids um, that we help support. Um, We've raised money for, like, a trip to Costa Rica. Mm -hmm. We've raised money and awareness stuff for uh, IJM, International Justice Mission. Mm Mm-hmm. Awesome, awesome organization. What those guys do is unreal. And then just even locally, like food bank and stuff like that. Well, that's great to step out like that. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, we try to, but it there's always more, right? As we were writing these songs and as we talk about these things, like I, don't, I was sitting down writing lyrics to one of the songs, Carry a Torch. I like convicted myself. I was just like, man, like everything that I'm writing against right now, like I'm completely guilty of. It's like Schindler's List at the end when he's like, oh, I could have sold my car and like saved this many more Jews. And I just like, there's barely scratching the surface. There's so much more that could and should be done that we need to get off our butts and do as well. I mean, if we're singing about it, we better be backing it up. We're singing at ourselves a lot of the time, I think. Okay, let's talk about the new EP. Even Honest Talk is Cheap. It releases uh, March 11th. And the EP really delivers a more polished sound in comparison to your last album, Protest Songs. So was that a natural progression, or did you guys actually make a decision to go for a change in the sound? Um, 
I think there was definitely some decision to it, but we also just, I think, grow as people and as musicians. Um, I was just kind of, the music I was listening to, I was like, I love punk rock and I want to write punk rock. But a lot of times people think if it's punk rock, then it can't be good music. I wanted to write a song that was punk rock, but that someone who didn't necessarily listen to punk rock would still want to listen to. So if this song played on the radio, it wouldn't be just punkers who liked it. It could be anyone. And I think just like music in general, we just wanted to write better music. So it was, it was a little mixture of influences, intentionality, and, and growth. Because we definitely had conversations where we were like, how do we want to sound on this next batch of songs? But, I mean, when it comes to actual recording quality, we knew from the get-go, like right after protest songs, we, we want to step it up as far as the recording quality. And, and we were pretty glad when that happened this time. We didn't, you never know what you're going to get because you're working with you're working with a guy you've never met before. I mean, you can listen to all his other bands. And this guy had worked with, I can't remember how many he said, 800 or... He's a very experienced guy out of Calgary named Casey Lewis. So we were really glad when we, when we got in there and he's like, this is kind of how it's going to be sounding. We were like, wow, man, that's crystal clear. So we were stoked on how, you know, the drums, everything, how everything came out. Drums are always just such a hard thing to get that clear yet real sound everyone's doing triggers and stuff now that sounds kind of fake so yeah we're pretty stoked with how the sounds of all the instruments the vocals and the mixing all just kind of came together so pretty stoked on that how long was the recording process um eight days well it was, we went about it a lot differently this time so that's true we we wrote our songs and i think it was over six to nine months actually quite a while and then we decided we were gonna record our album before we recorded our album i think other more musical people have a <laughs> have a name for that what was that called like pre demoing, <laughs> demoing or pre-production or i can't remember anyways we recorded our whole album in our basement in our yeah before we went into the studio okay um so we were able to Everyone did their parts. We kind of it was like practice for recording and also a writing tool. And what we did was record everything, listen to it ourselves, um, see if there's any changes we want to make. And then we actually had like a demoing or listening party, and we had a bunch of people come over, um, friends and some experienced in music, some not as much, and just give us their feedback on how the songs should be different, and what what they thought about the songs. Should we, you know take this intro and cut it in half should we have this course tag should we so they we kind of got all their input and we did all that before we actually went into the studio so when we got to the studio we had already you know recorded the songs um been through it all just for that little bit more of experience and a little bit more of um fine-tuning the songs but it's great because all that prep work pays off it seemed to so yeah we wrote the songs the way we wanted them to be written. Then we asked people what they thought, and then we did what we wanted with their feedback. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we definitely. You don't take everyone's feedback and just run with it. You still have to decide what you're going to do with it. It's true, because it is your work. Right. Well, we just figured we put so much time and effort into this. We want it to be the best that it can be. We're spending how much money and time in it. We're going to go into the studio. We want it to be 
as good as it can be. So if we have to sit through a critique and get our feelings heard, it's, <laughs> it's worth it for the end. Yeah, you know? there was some musicians there that were saying, you know, this is super vulnerable. I would never do this. I would never show anyone my unfinished product. But, I mean, we, we trusted them. And, and if it's, in the end, makes a better product, then it's worth it. So You brought up something earlier, and I wanted to bring up this song, too. It said, on the new EP... Even Honest Talk is Cheap. You've got a really interesting song called Carry a Torch where the lyrics read, dig through the rubble of our past mistakes, our conscience is on trial. So we swept that dirt under the flag. We gave up the fight our fathers gave to us. We're a cautionary tale. So what were your intentions with this track? Um, and this is that song that was like I was writing, I like convicted myself. And the idea of this song is basically an apology to the rest of the world for the opportunities that us as North American society have squandered. I mean, you think about the people in like Egypt and what, what was really like a lot of my inspiration for this song was I watched a documentary. It was a story about Ai Weiwei. He's a Chinese artist and the documentary is called Never Sorry. He just like took his art and it's basically like what we're trying to do with our music. He he was doing art and it just like ended up taking this like political stance because the people are just oppressed by their government to some degree and there's just not these freedoms there. And he wanted to point out like the areas in their in their culture and their society that are like broken and he ends up going to prison. He just disappears off like the face of the earth at one point. They arrest him and he is gone. And when he like he was so outspoken and intense. And when he came back, he was just like mild and he was like not ruffling any feathers. And it's like the amount of intimidation or what must have happened to him while he was disappeared must have been insane because he was so bold. And they just like the Chinese government just like tamed him. And I don't know what he's doing now. Wow. But it, it was just gnarly. And I was thinking about like these people in these societies that they have next to nothing as far as freedoms go. So they have nothing to lose. So they are just like willing to fight for it. And we are so privileged and have so much opportunity and so much freedom, but because we have so much to lose and because we're so comfortable, we don't do anything about it. And so the song's sort of like an apology. It's like, we had these opportunities. And, and you look back at like the 60s and the 70s with, with the hippies and, and the protests and, and stuff like that and, and how they tried and it like, and it did change some things. Um, but sort of feels like it ultimately failed. And so the song is like an apology, us to those countries that still are fighting on saying, carry a torch for us. And hopefully we don't get to the point where we have nothing to lose and we're in the same position as them before we realize that we have something to fight for and responsibility to do it. Okay, so if you had one specific topic or issue that you really wanted to highlight to people to listeners or just to people in general, what would you pick and what would you tell them to do? Get to work. <laughs> Good answer. I mean, and that's like, it's the whole punk spirit too. And I think that's why, I mean, this album is a little, I don't know, like less specific in the subject matter. Like on protest songs, we have like, this song is an anti-war song. This song is about starvation in Africa. This song is, you know, like, so we were really specific in, like, the topics. This song's about political corruption. Mm -hmm. This song is about, like, corruption in the media. And this album is a little bit more just, like, 
tackling the attitudes and we have like a few of those social justice and social issues as topics, but it's just a little bit more like get to work. On the new EP, Even Honest Talk is Cheap, you've also got the song Do or Die. And from that, I could almost say that could be considered the theme for the social threat. Do you want to fill us in about the song? That song is just a little bit more like a tribute to punk rock. It's, you know, that thing that gets you through the day sometimes where you, like, I mean, that's sort of like the first verse is about just you have your your everyday life and sometimes it's boring and seemingly empty or whatever. And like punk was the thing that got us excited as kids. Punk music was the thing that made us want to play music, made us want to do stuff. Mm. So that song's a little bit of tribute to that and just a little bit of of a tribute to punk music, but then also punk, like the attitude and and the lifestyle, like not putting up with the status quo, getting to work, that DIY, like spirit and ethic, but also the unity that that genre brings to like a group of people, to a group of misfits. And your misfits? (laughs) Here in Medicine Hat, where everyone has lifted trucks and... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no we we were never really misfits i feel like we do not have a very good perspective on what it means to kind of feel left out we've had really good friends and really good support throughout our whole lives we're lucky here's a thought what would be the ultimate dream for the social threat i think i mean every guy in the band has a different take on that i think I don't know if, you know, everyone is on the same page. I think we're finding as we get older, (laughs) you know, like Kyle and Caleb have wives and and families and stuff. Um, We're trying to say wait. I I don't know. Are you having a kid? (laughs) No. Um, For me, I think it would be just to play more music and as as much music as, as we could and to... You know, like, I'm not talking, like, to play these venues with thousands of people, but just to to be playing, you know, for 100 or 200 people at a, in, in a small venue um, more consistently. You know, we don't even have to make money at it. We just need to have fun playing music, impact people, and influence people in a positive way. Because that's, I feel like, what happens when we play shows, you know. Sometimes an environment in you know a certain bar will be very dark and negative and we'll come in and we'll play our set and you'll just feel the the mood shift or like our energy and our lyrics and our and our stance on things and like there is like we point out negative things but in some way we do it in a positive way like this is what's not right in the world but we can do something about it there's hope so i think to keep doing that and to do that more would be, for me, the ideal for our band. I would just be so stoked to hear those stories about, like, there's times where we've played shows and because someone got a hold of our music or they were at the show, they were just, like, equipped and energized and just, like, ready to do something about whatever they see going on that that's wrong. And sometimes it's even just getting them off their butts and doing anything in the first place. We played this show a while ago in Calgary and there was a band that we were playing with and they were honestly one of the best bands of the night and it was a big bill. And they came up to us after and they were like, dude, we saw you play here like a year ago 
with these other bands and we were like we need to start a band that was so good hmm. and i was just like blown away I, I i was so honored and it was just like it got me so pumped i'm like we need to do this more like this is why we play shows like like we need to get out there and spread this message of hope and this message of like immediacy it's like time yeah <laughs> and it's like when they told me that i was so blown away and that's not why we do what we do but that is sure a fantastic byproduct i feel lucky and honored that's cool i know sometimes i do some odd questions no it's good it's i don't know like sometimes that's one of those things that you don't think about you're like why are we a band well we started because we like playing music but like is music the end all and be all of what we do or why we should be doing it because we have a huge opportunity we have a microphone and a stage and a handful of people in front of us listening to everything we say. Yeah, you're, you're in a band, like, even though you have the power to talk about politics or whatever you believe that you shouldn't. And I think, I think we totally should. I think everyone should. Like, why wouldn't you seize this opportunity that you have? Maybe some guys should. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> some people just shouldn't even produce music, though. <laughs> I think that's where I first heard about you guys and went, wow, that's cool. Was that Indie Vision while we were on? We were on Punk Rock Volume 1 and 2. Yeah. You had a little 35-second song or something? Yeah. There you go. <laughs> didn't, uh, didn't really want that song on Punk Rock Volume 2. He's like, he's like, you got to have, like, ramifications on there or something. He wanted more. I don't know if we ended up with two songs on there, but we like, we want Breakout. I know it's 35 seconds, but I, we're like, that's our favorite song on that album, I think. It's my favorite song. It's, like, I think the only song on that album that, like, really came off honest like the way we play it live yeah because sometimes what you do in the studio and do on an album are not what you do live yeah and that one just like clicked like that one i was just so pumped about and i'm like you know what it's a compilation there are like 50 songs on this cd people are probably tired of listening to it already they're just putting like a 35 second hardcore song on there and that'll be that but see it worked got my attention perfect so it probably worked for other people (laughs) you hope hope so Hey, almost forgot. Uh, where do people grab the new recording? Um, on March 11th, if they go to iTunes or anywhere on the internet where you buy music, we'll be there. We've been speaking with the Social Threat. Guys, thanks for coming on and sharing your thoughts about the new EP. Even Honest Talk is cheap with the antidote. Awesome. Yeah, thanks so much. Thanks yeah, for having thanks. us. Yeah, we really appreciate it.